Hello, Muse Nation. Yes, I am sticking with Muse Nation as the name right now. If you have a better one, please put it in the reviews or DM me on Instagram. But right now I'm sticking with it. Welcome to this episode of the Muse Report. We are on our 18th episode. And like I said last week, I will have a special guest in on this episode. And she was absolutely amazing. Her name is Jocelyn Smith. I know Jocelyn from a few uh, for a few years now, maybe two and a half years now, and she is just a great bubbly person, and she also is a psychology major, a soon-to-be psychologist, actually. She is graduating uh, in like two weeks, so I had to have her on the show. I discussed some things with her about the topic of mental health. Now, please do not log off after I just said that word or two words. Because you're saying, mental health, I don't have mental health issues. I'm not crazy or anything like that. Well, it's not really about that in this episode. It's about things that we deal with on an everyday basis. Things like stress, things like going through grief, things like withdrawal symptoms from things. Things that we all go through that are really mental health problems that we have to look at. Just how we look at our physical problems or our spiritual problems. So she breaks it down in such a great way in this episode. She talks about her personal experiences and some things that uh, she has grown through that I'm sure some of you can identify with. So uh, you're really going to love this episode. I know I did. And if it's just for one person, I hope you are touched. Also, if you like this podcast, please share it with someone. Do your due diligence to the world by sharing the wealth of knowledge that you gain from this podcast. Uh, write some reviews. Give me some pointers on what you want to see in upcoming episodes, potential guests that you want to have on the show. Even if it's somebody who's probably completely out of my league. Hey, I'll go out and reach to them. So uh, just do that for me. Also, uh, give this a rating. Um when we get more ratings we go up on the itunes uh ranking so uh, just do that for me if you support what i'm doing and with that without further ado we're gonna get right up into this episode so here we go was people were walking around campus uh, with shirts that say mental health matters too or something like that and um just the topic i've been meaning to have her come in for a little while now uh talking about the topic of mental health because it's becoming mental health has always been a uh a issue and a topic of discussion but it's become more of a topic of discussion i think as of late because people are becoming more aware of how uh how much of a part how much it is a part of of who we are like we talk about our physical health all the time we talk about spiritual health Mm -hmm. um but mental health is very it's something that we kind of used to cover up and say well that's not supposed to happen so don't share it or don't talk about it because that's abnormal but now we're kind of starting to see that it is not necessarily an abnormal thing so everyone can relate to it because everyone either you might not necessarily identify as having a mental health issue, but I'm guaranteed that everyone's been stressed at some point. So uh, just talking, I guess, with you about how we could deal with things like that, how we can address those type of things. Any type of questions that I think 
um, I've heard from people or I have myself about the uh, the topic. So I just want to first uh, cover the basis of what exactly is being mentally healthy or what does that look like? What does that feel like? Because I think the first thing that we need to identify is what is it and how do I know whether I'm out of it or I'm in it? Okay, so um, when it comes to mental health, it's very unique for every individual. Um, you don't look at a guy or a girl at your school and go, oh, she seems mentally attractive right. or he yeah. looks mentally attractive. And so we know that it isn't much like the more physical features that we hold, but it is very important. When it comes to mental health, um, different key features of healthy mental health is not necessarily not experiencing those uh, feelings or those symptoms that we would attribute to a mental health illness or disorder. It is rather how you balance and how you are able to maintain a healthy lifestyle, a healthy um, friendship, um, and how you're able to bounce back or be resilient. And so uh, I don't want you to think that being menti mentally healthy is having never experienced uh, what we would consider something that is unhealthy right just yeah. as though you've been sick before i'm sure mm -hmm. you know so just because you've experienced being sick does not mean you're not well now right yeah that makes perfect sense okay um so i'm i'm kind of getting the the idea that mental health kind of has uh encompasses the other aspects of health because you kind of said like uh, how your your lifestyle balance, mm -hmm. um, how you bounce back from, I guess, internal and external forces. So, I mean, that kind of has to do with uh, your, your physical reaction to things as well as your overall lifestyle. So in order to maintain like m a good mentally healthy state, what are some things that we should do in our lifestyle? every day to make sure that we you know we stay in that uh what's the word realm of healthiness or something like that i don't know how to word it okay right. um there are many physical characteristics that affect your mental health um in a course that i took at oakwood university it was called biopsych and it was amazing and it talks about how we experience things from a mental perspective, but all of the physical attributes of it. So depression isn't simply, I don't feel well, it's a chemical imbalance. And schizophrenia isn't simply, I hear and see things that aren't there. It is more, it is actual, your brain is actually receiving messages. Right, so it's actually a medical issue. Yes, right. like you can look at um, scans of the brain and it will show you areas that are being activated the audio, auditory sensors, the visual sensors are being um, activated while this person is not being spoken to and while they, while they are not seeing anything. Mm. And so we know that there are physical attributes to mental health. And so what then can we do to ensure that we are remaining mentally healthy? Um, I think the first would be to recognize. Um, recognize where you are and where your mind is at a given moment. Uh, much like an athlete, um, like yourself, you're aware when you're on the court, like, how am I? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, how am I feeling? Am I doing as, as much as I can? Do I need to do anything differently? Um, it's a very 
it's very uh, healthy to be aware of where you are mentally. It may not be the most popular mm -hmm. uh, place to try to go back to, but it's really important to uh, to be aware of where we are because we use our brains all the time. Yeah. Talk about all the time. Self-awareness <laughs> is so yes. important. Um, and I find it very interesting as students, uh, we are met with constant deadlines. Um, and we're compared by our accomplishments and then those of others. Right. And before you graduate, I'm sure each of us will have experienced um, someone higher than us telling us, well, there's someone out there working harder than you for the same position you want. Mm -hmm. There's someone out there who has a more attractive resume than you do. Um, so when you want to go to grad school, you need to be more competitive. And these pressures will really get to us mentally. And it's really important to recognize how am I doing and if I don't feel like I'm my best, why not? Mm. And this may be a very difficult place to be because we only see the world through our own perspective, through our own schemes. And so when you stop to recognize how am I doing and you go to address why you may or may not be feeling well, um, you want to try to be as unbiased as possible. Another important thing is to have a support system. I like to spend some time alone, but I know it's very important for me to be with others mm -hmm. because isolation can drive you deeper and deeper into, um, in many cases, depression or anxiety because you're, you're only filled with your thoughts and mm -hmm. the only responses you have are from yourself. Right. And so it's really important to establish connections with other people because they can also help you um, and engage with you in conversation. Okay, so uh, if if you're struggling with something, or maybe you're not, maybe you're just overthinking a situation, how do you exactly know whether you need to seek help or whether you are just... It's something that because I feel like we often believe this is something that I can handle on mm -hmm. my own. And I think I mean, personally, I'm not a person who I think has really struggled with um, extreme stress or, or feeling symptoms of depression or things like that. So often my mentality towards things like that, which could be wrong sometimes, is that, uh, you know, it's 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 just something for right now. I'll shake it off or whatever. Or I'll just go do mm -hmm. something that takes my mind off of it and I'll be okay. But is there a fine line that we should watch whether, okay, this is just a temporary thing. We all get sad sometimes, or is this something that I need to actually look at and see if I, if I'm suffering from an actual problem? Okay. So I can actually speak of this from a personal perspective and standpoint, if you don't mind me sharing. No. So I've actually been depressed and I've had social anxiety. Mm -hmm. And there are certain things as a psychologist that you look at to uh, diagnose whether something is clinical or if it's just an everyday thing. Because in our life, we will have highs and lows. Right, we yeah. We'll feel great and then we'll also feel terrible. But just because you had a bad day doesn't necessarily mean you're depressed. And you may hear people say like, oh, you know, I like my desk a particular type of way. I'm just OCD like that. You're, you don't have obsessive compulsive Right, disorder. you don't actually have you OCD. You don't have yeah. it. Um, and much like if you were to sneeze, I wouldn't jump to conclusions and assume you had the flu. Right. It could just be allergies or something in the air. It could be a spice. It's not the most extreme case. However, there will always be signs. 
And as psychologists, we look at the DSM-5. And so the DSM is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, and we're on the fifth edition. And what professionals do is they take the symptoms that you feel and they compare them to a scoring chart and you go across and when you meet a certain amount of criteria, that is when you are clinically uh, okay. diagnosed. Okay. However, because of the stigma of mental health, there are people who are clinically depressed and they don't know it. And mm. they just think I'm having a bad day for months. Right. It keeps and they continuing. can't get out of this funk and they think it's something that they're doing and it's not. They do need the help. And so for me personally, um, many of the symptoms would be when you get up in the morning, as a student, you may not always jump to, out to right. get dressed I and go to class. I love this Monday. Ready yeah. to go to class right You don't now. want to. But when you're <laughs> depressed, it's another level. Right. It's I don't want to be awake right now. And not even I don't want to be awake. I don't want to like be here in mm. my skin. I don't want to be just breathing right now. I want to be done. And you just, you're over everything and you have no energy for the things that you enjoy. I love weightlifting. And so I would wake up at six in the morning to go to the gym. I did not want to get up. And I knew something was going on because I was consistently going to the gym and I would write in my journal. And then for about two straight weeks, I did not want to get up at all. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm just, you know, I'm in a funk. I just, mm -hmm. I need to get back at it. But I didn't even want to touch like any of my gym equipment in my room. I would just lay in bed and I would wake up and just lay there. Um, I didn't want to be around other people. I was happy in my isolation. Um, and I thought that me enjoying being in my isolated state was like good for me, but I was realizing I was pulling away from others. Right. Um, with the social anxiety, it was a very irrational fear. I didn't want to be near people because being near people meant more than just, oh, I'm going to be surrounded in a group. Right. It was these people are watching me and I don't know what they're going to say to me. And often when you are experiencing something on a chronic level, it's extreme highs and lows. It's um, persistent feelings of depression. It is these thoughts that will not go away no matter how hard you try. It's wanting to be pushed out in isolation, um, kind of cutting yourself off from your support, not doing the things that you know you love mm -hmm. and you are not yourself. And it's very, very scary to be in a place where you're not yourself and you think it's your fault when there are other levels to this. Um, when you look at what is abnormality, uh, there are four Ds that psychologists follow. And so it's deviant, dysfunction, distress, and danger. And you look at these four to determine whether a behavior is abnormal. Often I could check myself. So um, I would look at, um, if, and what I'm doing is it uh, deviant from the cultural or social norms that I usually do. Um, are my thoughts, are they very dysfunctional? Are they no longer where I know they should be? Um, is my distress, are my fears rational or irrational? And they were very irrational. Like, I can't go to the calf because there's people and the people are going to surround me and they're going to, you know, just 
no one cares Mm -hmm. but i was really fixated on i really can't be near people and the only way for me to be safe is if i'm alone um and danger often you look at am i danger to myself um are my thoughts becoming dangerous you see a lot of students who have suicidal thoughts because of their clinical depression that they do not know that they have and they're not sure why they feel this way they're not sure why these thoughts are persistent um but there's a fine line between i had a bad day and i'm depressed is and for some they may not know until they're on the the ladder right so for i guess i'm going to ask you a twofold question um is it safe to self-diagnose and after you have found out something about yourself where do you go after that um because it's often often a very sensitive topic and you don't really want to go to just anyone or you don't really want to share it at all because that's something personal people might look at you where they might try to treat you differently afterwards they might look at you differently afterwards so it's very i think very important to know exactly what to do after you've figured out that something needs to be done so just those two questions in one i guess okay so um speaking for myself like i mentioned earlier with depression and social anxiety those are actually things that i concluded on my own um looking at the dsm-5 and pulling out um the the chapters and sections that spoke on those issues and i went and uh, found the symptoms that i was experiencing over this amount of time and that's what i concluded now because i did this on my own i did not seek professional help i thought that i would be able to heal myself mm-hmm. and you know here i am uh, my senior year and i know that to be wrong uh, mental health is one of those issues that people often are more inclined to figure out themselves um, if you sprain your ankle um you know you're more inclined to speak to a professional because you want to know okay i know this is the problem but how can i heal Mm -hmm. smoothly quickly and i want to get back to my normal self but it's usually not the same when it comes to having to speak to a mental uh professional um and really because of our day and age we can google anything we want and so you You can go now and just type in symptoms of depression and they'll give you everything and then they'll tell you these are the treatment methods and this is the time it usually takes to overcome it and so it almost gives you this idea that okay i think i can do those things on my own and for me personally i thought that okay if i just pray if i read my bible if i really pour into the lord like maybe i'll be able to get over these things and honestly i felt great after i did those things but i know now that i never healed those wounds and so speaking from experience and speaking from a person who has then sought professional help um just to understand like if it's really to the point now like if anything traumatic happens to me whether someone else may consider it minute i will go and speak to one of my professors and just you know talk to them about it because i want to express i want to get that out um that is something i would have not done my freshman year but i know now um that i need it otherwise i won't heal properly at least for me i know that to be true and so i would personally encourage that if you notice these chronic symptoms 
if you feel these things to be true mm -hmm. if, even if you go and like you google the symptoms and it says that you have chronic anxiety or chronic depression speak to a professional because you may not know the next step to take for yourself and often naming it helps but it also becomes overwhelming because now it wasn't simply i had a bad week or a bad year it's i have depression right. what do i do about that and um you may blame yourself like oh, i just wasn't strong enough mentally and that was mm -hmm. something i did i was like oh i'm i'm weak that's why i have these issues i'm not trying hard enough to right. be happy and society tells you that sometimes too absolutely yeah it's such a poor stigma around mental health even now if you turn on the television whenever they speak about mental health it's always after someone has done something horrific right yeah it's always after like a mass shooting we need to talk about mental health but there are people every day every people. day yeah your peers even your professors like they're struggling with these things it's mm -hmm. not the extremists it's everyday people right and so it's really really important to speak to someone you trust i know um for me personally when i was experiencing those things i wasn't sure if i wanted to speak to the people on campus because my parents work on campus too right. and so i was very apprehensive about that which is why i was like i'll fix it myself and so it's really important not to limit yourself to just who may be the closest look for mental health professionals in your area if you trust another adult if you trust your pastor speak to them but it's very very important that you speak to someone okay um so you kind of touched on something uh that was really good and i think I, I agree with that too always seeking outside help is just way more beneficial because you never really know exactly how to address a problem for yourself because it's you yeah so but you also touched on the part that sometimes you blame yourself and you say oh i'm weak i wasn't able to sustain other things that p other people were able to to handle and they're not suffering from these type of things even though you don't really know yeah uh, what they're going through but uh i've always wondered this myself is is a mental health issue something that you just uh are born with or or something that was there with you all along and it's just now manifesting itself or is this something induced by your environment is something did something cause this uh thing was it stress at work was it stress at school was it some type of childhood experience that gave me this or things like that because i think once you address a problem you kind of think of well how did this happen yes so i i, I don't really know so yeah, yeah. no that is uh <clears throat> That is something that's really at the forefront of uh, psychology, even today. Understanding that, okay, I have this, but where did it come from? Where mm -hmm. did it stem from? And could I have stopped it? Um, is it something that I did? Is it something I was just born with? Um, and there are many studies done. There's actually a statement made by um, one of the doctors of the National Institute of Mental Health. And I felt like it was a really prevalent uh, quote for this uh, actual question he said it is not a question of genes versus environment it is a question of how genes interact with whatever the environment factors might be hmm. and that it is probably true of all the disorders that we call mental illness and so there is a genetic link to many mental illnesses for example schizophrenia that is one that they've said this particularly runs in the family you can also uh, say that for depression 
And if you ever speak to like a mental professional, they may ask you, uh, does anyone else in your family have right, these yeah. type mm-hmm. of um, mental illnesses? Because it is, it's really important to know not only like um, what they may have and how that could affect you, but also the, the experiences that you both have gone through. Because you can have twins, same upbringing and everything, but you test them, one could have depression, the other one may not. And that could either very well be genetic makeup, but they are identical, or that could also just be how they handled the environment. And so it it is important to note that trauma, like PTSD, that is not genetic. That is environmental. But you also have schizophrenia and depression and um you have uh some are actually at higher risk for you know having um anxiety like chronic anxiety those things can be passed through um by mother to child Mm -hmm. and so there's there are studies being done now to address it there are some who even want to focus mainly on the african-american community and this i don't know if you ever heard of it like post-slave syndrome where they talk about um, how the injustice that we've had to deal with as African-Americans mm-hmm. affect the later generations. What? And there are studies that actually prove that because of the microaggressions that African-Americans have to deal with, and even African-American women who are caring children have to deal with, those different stresses and hormones are passed through to the child. So therefore the child is at higher risk for like heart disease. They're at higher risk for um, these different stressors. And so because your body is responding to life a particular way, that also affects your mental health. And so this is a very, very um, up and coming topic and argument because many are still on both ends, but there's a lot that shows that um, our genetic makeup is often influenced by our environment um, right, so even before you're born. It's really a mixture of both. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, before I get to, uh, we're, we're starting to draw to a close, and the last one I want to ask last because I think it's most um, relevant to most people. Um, but I just want to ask, I like on the podcast, I like to have practical applications. So how can I take this, what I have listened to on this episode today and apply it to my life right now? So what are some things that you can do, even if, let's say you're not necessarily diagnosed with some type of chronic mental mm-hmm. illness, but things that you've just been struggling with uh, internally that you want to deal with and you don't want to, like keep holding them in or keep putting them off and trying to deal with them later. What are some things that um, an everyday person could do um, on a daily, weekly or monthly, whatever basis to help them kind of work their way out of these type of uh, mental situations? Um, I think the first thing that everyone should do is make themselves a priority. Um, Focus on yourself. Take time to look at yourself, evaluate yourself, with not necessarily being critical, like, oh, man, I need to do better. My hair looks like a mess. But really just looking at yourself, looking at your accomplishments, acknowledging the good that you've done so far, and um, really being intentional about what you do with yourself moving forward. Um, I've 
actually had to, I recently started doing this, really taking time to acknowledge myself as an individual who contributes to society and how I am going to continue to contribute to society as I get older. I'm not just a bystander in some video game. I am here for a reason and I have a purpose. And so because I have a purpose, I need to approach each day with a drive and a motivation. uh, ensuring that you get sleep. It may sound very cliche, yes. but as I get older, <laughs> I realize how tired I am when I wake up. But I also realize like I'm not making sleep an event. Um, I kind of just lay in bed and I'm still on my phone. I don't right. treat sleep like a sacred thing. Cherish sleep. Yes, the sleep, eating, exercise. These are the times where you're actually cherishing yourself. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we do that (laughs) yeah that was my stomach i'm hungry man i don't think we take enough time to do that we hop in bed and we're like whatever i'm gonna get up in the morning but that's really time to like love yourself take care of yourself you know turn off your lights put your electronics away wash your face you know brush your teeth lay down really um be intentional about what you do with yourself um talking to others that's another important thing. Uh, I know I mentioned that earlier, talking to a professional, but even just um, finding a healthy outlet, um, whether that be music, whether that be singing or listening to music, uh, whether that be writing, you know, doing poetry, cooking, walking, running, whatever your niche is, do what you know that you enjoy. Um, because it goes and reestablishes you doing things for yourself. Another thing is to say no. Uh, I am a yes woman. I will do things I know I don't want to do because I know that's the response you want from me. Right, yeah. And so when I do that, I take away my own freedom from myself in other situations. Like right now I'm looking forward to the summer so I can sleep, but why haven't I been taking care of myself now? Right. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the summer so I can do things that I want to do, but why don't I take every day to invest in myself? Yeah, that's so true. And so I think it's really important to say no. And that is something that I'm actively trying to do moving yeah. forward, saying- You have to practice it too. Yeah, yeah. say no. Um, uh, this, may not be the most popular response, but I would also say avoid fillers that you use um, to replace whatever emptiness you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing in biopsych that we spoke on was uh, substances and how that affects your brain and how there are excitatory drugs and inhibitory drugs and how those things mimic the neurotransmitters in your brain. And so when you use substances, like say you're just feeling sad, so you know you use whatever drug. When you use these substances, it's mimicking what you naturally produce, but when you abuse these substances, your brain stops producing mm. these natural things. And so when you get off of whatever drug or when you stop doing this particular behavior, your brain is now empty because it, thought that this whole time you were filling it with other things it thought that okay you don't need as much anymore so it wasn't producing and so when you get out of that you're usually like in a slump and you're usually worse off than you began and so i would really encourage not even just from a spiritual standpoint of you know we should treat our bodies like a temple just from a mental standpoint 
take care of yourself and um, try to stay away from those things because Mm -hmm. your brain is balancing everything that you put it through. I feel like, and I feel like that could be really anything. I don't don't want to limit it to like, uh, let's say drugs or uh, food. It does the same thing with food. uh, Sex, uh, social media. Yes. Oh my goodness. I feel like that's one that's just like, it's so normalized in society, but people really seek emotional comfort yes, and the, fillers. The likes that you get that yes. actually does something for your brain. It, it it gives you like a shot of dopamine. You feel good the more likes you get. Right. Yeah. And so when you don't yeah. get enough likes, you don't realize this is happening, but you're sad. There's nothing yes. wrong with your photo, but because you didn't get 200 that time, then you feel worse. Yeah. I just saw a video the other day. It was saying that, um, that basically what the, the rush of dopamine that you get from saying a comment or a like on something on social mm-hmm. media is only about, I forgot what the percentage was. It was really small. It was like, um, in comparing it to like you hitting a, like hitting cocaine or, or yeah. a highly, highly addictive drug yes. that is illegal. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same. I'm like, that is actually ludicrous. Yeah. Like, there's an addiction to That's these social crazy. media. You you wonder why these people who have these platforms are billionaires. People can't stay off of it. They yeah. need it every day. They need Snapchat. They want to see how many people, how many people saw their story. Right. They have to. How many likes did I get on Instagram? I think I'm gonna do another episode actually speaking on social media and um, its effects and I don't know how you just deal with it in everyday life because you know I'm on social media every day. Like I post like two, three times a day, yeah. but you know that's kind of for a different reason. But <laughs> um, yeah, um, but before before our time runs out and before yeah. my battery dies, I just want to do one more thing: um, addressing stress because I know that's something that we all deal with every day. There's good stress, there's bad stress, but there's always stress. Every day you wake up and you realize you can't find your your other sock there's some level of stress we don't think of that as stress but that's stress you're trying to find your sock yeah which always seems to disappear it's always one always one of them i don't know why <laughs> but <laughs> going off topic um so like uh whether it's your stress at work with a boss a supervisor stress with your children um it's finals week coming up here oh, yeah. so stress with that i see lots of people like on twitter oh, i'm stressed i'm stressed including myself like i'm i'm tired and stressed i have to study for a final for tomorrow but what are some things that you can do to alleviate that stress, at least temporarily, so that you can refocus yourself, regroup, and go towards something at a very level-headed or healthy mindset? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the first thing would be to create realistic expectations for yourself. Um, usually, when you're experiencing stress, you may uh, behave irrationally. And I mean in the case of, like, yeah, I can't find my sock this morning. And now I'm freaking out. I'm pulling everything out the drawers just Mm -hmm. to find one sock. When I could have just taken a moment to step back and think, when when I took my socks off, where did I put them? Oh, they're right there. You know, um, I think we we move too fast when we're stressed. We try to do everything, and therefore we accomplish nothing. Mm. I... I'm really great at accomplishing nothing by trying to do everything. I'll work on a paper, try to study music and, you know, listen to a podcast all at the same time. I'm getting nothing done. And here I am thinking that if I can do everything at once, I'm going to be right. very proactive. And so being um, realistic with our expectations, if you know you have a paper due and it's 12 pages and you have five days left, either 
you can either do what we usually do i'll wait until the night before to complete Mm -hmm. the assignment or you can section out pages for every day that you have left and then on that the night before you can do some editing this is not the popular option and it's it it puts too much responsibility on you over a longer period of time but this is probably one of the best things you can do setting realistic expectations but also holding yourself accountable um you may have to delete social media for like five days just so that you can accomplish your goals but you have to think about the bigger picture. Can we do that? Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. difficult, but I, I've actually not had an Instagram for years at this point now because I realized every morning I woke up just to do nothing yeah. but scroll. Just look first thing you do in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. I had and to do so, that with Snapchat the, the, the past summer. Yeah. yeah. And so it's possible. It's not fun because, you know, that first day of withdrawal, it mm-hmm. hurts. You open up your phone yeah. to Unlock do nothing it. and then yeah. you're like, oh, this is I'm like, a, a I'm actually experiencing withdrawal symptoms. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, taking time to set realistic expectations and goals, um, holding yourself accountable, um, being aware. Uh, when you are stressed out, you can become very overwhelmed about everything, even if it comes to you're writing a paper and now you're stressed because you have writer's block. Take a moment. Even if you have to step out of it, listen to some music that you like, watch a video that you like. You know, still have a deadline um, with yourself, but take care of yourself because... Right. Take a break. Yeah, because you're stressed already. You forcing yourself to do something right now you mentally cannot do is only going to make things worse. Right. And what actually happens in your brain is you have cortisol. And when you're stressed, it goes through. So think of it like traffic. Mm-hmm. Nothing else can get through if it's backed up with this stress hormone. So you may need to take a moment. Let your body process that. I am stressed out. Um, We're going to address it, and we can get back to completing the assignment. I mean, often you do get an adrenaline rush from being stressed. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you have distress um, and you stress, but it's some stress is good for you. It allows you to focus and get things done. But as college students, we often experience the latter. We often experience more distress because there's just so much going on it's not just this class it's also i have to turn in this uh, application for the internship and did mm-hmm. i get that scholarship and my, i have to call my mother in the morning and it's so much and so i think it's really important to take care of ourselves um treat yourself pamper yourself take time to really focus on yourself um i often keep uh like assignments that i did well on like on my wall that might be really really lame but i'll keep like plane tickets of a where aliens have traveled i'll keep photos of like family that's a really good idea i keep it on my walls positive affirmation um, kind of yeah reaffirmation because sometimes when i'm working on assignments i just feel like what am i doing like i hit a wall and i'm like what am i doing with my life and then i look up at this wall like okay i have purpose okay i know what i'm doing um and so it's it's good to try to refocus take care of yourself but refocus and especially set realistic expectations um, when you're uh, faced with stress. Um, you were asking me, like, what can we do to create a healthy environment, a mentally yes. healthy environment yes. for others? Um, and I thought 
uh, that being open and understanding to the reality that mental health is not universal in nature for everyone is very key in that. Um, your bout with depression is not going to be the same as mine and how you handle anxiety is not going to be the same as how I handle it. Um, but it's important to note that a person is not weak if they need um, prescribed medications mm -hmm. to handle mm -hmm. depression or anxiety or schizophrenia. Um, I think it's really important for us not to turn our head at those who are really fighting and struggling because it takes a strong person to get up when everything inside of them is telling them to stay down. Mm. It takes a strong person to interact with others when they're battling so much internally. And um, I really appreciate what you're doing, this platform that you have. And I really hope that, uh, like you were saying, if it's just one, yeah. if it's just one person who comes to a realization or they're op more open-minded to others, um, then you would have done a, a phenomenal thing. Yeah, cool. Jojo, that was great. I, I I feel like sometimes I have podcast episodes in my head. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no one's really going to relate to that. I shouldn't really do that episode <laughs> or whatever. But honestly, something just kept pushing at me. It was like, no, you need to do this episode. So I appreciate you coming in, sharing your knowledge. You brought up lots of things that I did not know oh. and things that I could definitely use later um, when speaking to my peers um, or speaking to uh, other people, educating them about mental health. And um just sharing it with the masses. So I appreciate you being on this episode of The Muse Report. Oh, I appreciate you allowing me to um, share my knowledge. That's it for this episode of The Muse Report. I will see you guys next week with another episode with a very special guest that I'm excited to share with you guys. Or is it the week after? I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, subscribe, share with your mom, your uncle, your cousin, Bobby, all of them. All right, I'll see you guys next week. Peace. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Jocelyn dropped so much knowledge that I know is valuable to someone out there. And I just want you guys to really take this episode seriously. And the fact that mental health is a real thing, just how physical health and exercise is a real thing, how emotional health is a real thing, how spiritual health is a real thing. Mental health is a very real thing that you should practice taking care of. And I hope that you were able to uh, hear some of the tips that she brought out from her personal experience and how you could deal with them in your personal lives. So if you enjoyed this episode and if you feel like someone else can uh, grow from this episode as well, I challenge you to share it with somebody. You could go on our Facebook page, uh, the Muse Report podcast on Facebook, follow and like it and share the link with someone or you could share the link on iTunes or Google Play Store, however you want to do it. But don't keep this knowledge to yourself. Share it with somebody so that they can grow from it as well. And as I say always with Muse, we want to learn something new, grow from that experience, and then inspire others with our personal growth and experiences. So that's it for this episode. Make sure you give a good rating and um, subscribe to the podcast. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.